distracting for you. But there is a reason, right? There is a reason why we have this all set up, and you guys already know. We're talking about refugees this morning. And the refugee crisis today is, is perhaps the largest uh, crisis in recorded history. I, uh, I went in and did a little bit of uh, research, because I was interested. Uh, and according to the UN Refugee Agency, there are currently over 70 million people who have been forcibly displaced worldwide. Uh, and and that's, that 70 million, that's, uh, that's fleeing from, from war, from persecution, uh, also man-made or natural disasters. So that's a, it's a huge number. Uh, not all of them have left their country. Some are, some are just displaced from their homes. Uh, but of those 70, well, I think it was actually 70.8 million people who are without homes, 25.9 million are refugees. And in, on the UN website, they specify refugees as people who are running from violence, from war and persecution. Um, half of them... Of those 25.9 million, half of them are under the age of 18. Now, Darren was talking a little bit already about the effect of growing up in a difficult situation. You can imagine what that population, perhaps where they are headed in a lot of ways without help. In Syria alone, more than half of its 22 million uh, population uh, has been either displaced or killed due to the civil war that's going on there right now. And, and when, you, when you hear it in numbers like this, I don't know, I don't know if you're like me, but it just it doesn't even really compute. Like, at least, I, I can't even really wrap my mind around it, the magnitude of it. And when I, when I hear statistics like that, it's such a large number. I, it's, it's unimaginable, and, and when, I, when I think of it in terms of numbers, I personally, as one, one person, I feel helpless. And, you know, the North American Christian church, uh, the response is quite varied, as you may have imagined or heard. So, some immediately want to take action. They want to help. While others see what's happening in Europe where a lot of the refugees are f- fleeing into Germany and the UK, and, and their reaction is founded in fear. I, I read a stat, actually, that the U.S. Uh, has let in less refugees uh, in the past year than ever before in history. I think they dropped by 80% of the refugees that they let into their country. So, you know, the reaction is fear. Close the borders. We, we have to protect what we have. What, what is your response to this global crisis? Do you, do you simply turn a blind eye? It doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect someone I love directly. It, it doesn't change my day to day. It's out there somewhere. And besides, the crisis is so huge, what can one person even do about it? And never mind the fact that many of these refugees are Muslims, or other religions that, you know, are out to destroy our good Christian countries. It's a complicated issue for sure. It's messy. It's filled with sin. It's filled with hurt, evil, and death. And what, what can possibly be done? There, there are just no simple answer, answers, no simple solutions. 
So maybe we, maybe we, should, just, maybe we should just pray about it, you know? That would be, that'd be pretty easy. We could just pray about it. Is that the right answer? Yesterday evening, Alyssa and I were talking to our kids about how our church service this morning is going to be different than usual. And we did our best to, to try and explain what a refugee is. And while I was doing that, while I was trying to put it in simplest terms for my kids to understand, it, it, it struck me. It, it struck me how far I am from truly being able to understand what it must be like. How far I am from being in their shoes. I, I, I mean, just try. Just try for a moment. Step into their shoes. Step, step of, of someone who in, in a moment's notice has to flee from everything they have. Just kind of imagine, boom, your house is destroyed. Somehow you survived, but you know you're in danger. Do you, do you, do you try to find a few things? What do, what do you do? What do you take? Where do you run? Where do you turn for help? Can you imagine running with your children after witnessing your husband being murdered? And then ending up at a camp with nothing but the clothes on your back? When you imagine the life of a refugee, does it stir your heart to action? Does it cause you to want to help? Like I said, the, the issue isn't that simple, right? What happens, like in Greece, when your economy can't deal with the strain of an enormous population increase? What happens if these foreigners turn violent and destructive, like in history they did in Paris? Do, do you still love them? Do you still help? At a time like this, it's important for us to dive back into the Bible and be reminded of the teachings of Jesus. Teachings that fly in the face of many of our instinctual thoughts of self-preservation and our society's opinions on looking out for number one. Because in a lot of ways, many, many response has been a lot more perhaps American than Christian. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 and listen to the words of Jesus. Starting in verse 31, Matthew 25 verse 31, and you've probably heard this before. I'll read it for you anyway. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, if we continue reading, we're not going to. So we want to get to making refugee kits. 
we also find that Jesus has some really harsh words for us if we don't help those in need. You can read that if you want. But let's, let's just take a look back at the beginning there. It jumped out at me when I was reading it. Jesus says, you'll notice, it's, it's all the nations. It's all the nations that are gathered before him. It's not just, it's not just the Canadian Mennonites. Throughout the Bible, God is clear that his heart is for everybody, for all nations. And Jesus' command to love reaches far beyond, way beyond our comfort zone. In fact, in Matthew 5, maybe you know this as well, what does Jesus say we are supposed to do to our enemies? What does he say? Love. Love and what? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What an upside-down thought. Love your enemies? So, I don't know where you stand on the, on the refugee issue, the refugee crisis issue, but I look at the words of the Bible, just these simple passages, and there's lots more, and we're, we, we're really without excuse. If we are followers of Jesus, our love must compel us to do something. Brothers and sisters, we're living in a time where our reach and our potential is far greater than perhaps our forefathers could have ever imagined. In fact, for those of us who are Mennonites, and many of us are, I think we need to sit down and be reminded that we were, we were refugees. We fled persecution. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for migration and resettlement. Of all people, of all people, we need to be championing the cause of the refugee. Or is it so far in our past that we've, that we've forgotten? Have we gotten too comfortable and, and too distracted by our stuff that, that we no longer remember how little we came from? I want to challenge each of you this morning to do something. In just a little bit, the missions committee is, is going to come up and, and explain one way in which you can help. And hopefully you've been informed enough times and, and you've come prepared to take part in that. Beyond that, though, I think we also need to be reminded that, that we all have another opportunity coming up shortly, uh, starting on October 1st, when the refugee family, which, which many of you have helped sponsor, arrives in Canada. And beyond physical and material needs, I want to encourage you to reach out and, and extend a welcoming hand of community to the family that will be coming to live in Morris. God is bringing the nations to our doorstep. Let us be obedient to his call and exemplify the gospel to those seeking refuge in our communities. I think sometimes, sometimes we look at this situation and, and we wonder, where is God? What's he doing? Why, why is this happening? And I don't know where you stand on, on God's sovereignty, but Paul has interesting, an interesting thing to say in Acts chapter, five, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 17. Um, when he's in Athens, he's talking to the people there. And uh, he says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. 
And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God, th- God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us. Perhaps we have an opportunity now more than ever to help people who have been moved around, who have been displaced. God is still in control. He's bringing the nations to our doorstep. Like I said, let's be obedient. Amen.